For me, this is the most wonderful time of the year because it's Pride Month and I'm thrilled to be working with the Gel Bottle for this special series of the podcast. The Gel Bottle is an award-winning, vegan-friendly, cruelty-free British nail brand with a selection of over 500 colours which you can explore with your nail tech or you can do it at home yourself with their salon match formulas from their sister brand, Peachy. The Gel Bottle is all about celebrating individuality, inclusivity, and empowerment through artistry and expression. So it feels like the perfect fit for Rain to be celebrating Pride Month with a brand that shares these values. And I'm so excited that they've given me my very own edit. Can you believe it? My rainbow edit, get it, has a peachy colour to represent every single stripe of the Pride flag, from the banana yellow clueless to the creamy off-white love letter because no matter how you identify everyone is welcome inside the rainbow 25 percent of the proceeds from now until the end of august and the peachy rainbow edit and the 90s baby collection because you know i love the 90s will go to switchboard a charity which has been listening to and supporting the lgbtqi plus community since 1975 Go check out both ranges on thejowbottle.com for pros, or if you are your own at-home artist at peachy.com. That's P-E-A-C-C-I.com. There's a link in the episode notes too, and please shop the Rainbow Edit, support the incredible charity switchboard and our LGBTQIA plus community. Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Get your heels, most fabulous outfit and your best face on because today we're joined by the star of Netflix's epic new show, Glamorous. It's Miss Betty. When I say that I am obsessed with Glamorous, I'm head over my five-inch heels obsessed with Glamorous. The show follows Miss Benny's character, Marco, a young, gender, non-conforming queer person who lands a job working for the makeup mogul, Madeline Addison. Played by the iconic Kim Cattrall. Cue the best one-liners, high camp jinks, and tons of hot men. Now that's a recipe for an incredible TV show. Today, Miss Benny talks about their journey to being on the show from starting out on YouTube to the rejections they faced because the entertainment industry was just not ready for them. Miss Benny also shares how they came to accept their queer identity, navigating relationships as a feminine queer person and dealing with prejudice. This conversation meant so much to me as a feminine gay man who has long struggled to embrace themselves in the face of prejudice, both outside and inside the LGBTQI community. So if you've ever felt something like this, I hope this episode makes you feel not just seen and heard, but attractive AF, because you are babes. Well, we are strapped in. We are raring to go. And how are you? Oh, I am good. I feel amazing. Um, I'm sort of just processing and trying to be present and everything. But um, I would say my biggest life dream has come true. So I'm enjoying that moment. <laughs> what is the big life dream that's come true for you right now? Um. Well, ever since I was a little kid, I've just always had this dream of being like, a leading lady of television and I think that comes from watching Disney Channel and seeing Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato and Miley Cyrus and so 
I've just always aspired to be that. And, you know, it took some time. We got a lot of uh, rejection, mm-hmm. a lot of people telling me it wasn't time yet. But who would have thunk 2023 was the moment and I'm here for it. <laughs> and it is time. And I mean, this show, Glamorous, is just... I watched it and it was like just pure joy coming into my oh. eyes, into my ears. It was so incredible and it's kind of like an ugly betty meets devil wears prada or as i like to call it now devil wears pride uh see what i did there oh okay see love that we'll get that on the poster (laughs) i listen i love when the trailer came out so many people had different plays on the name for the show and my one of my favorites was the devil wears anastasia because i was like that's very very fitting for our show love that um so yeah devil wears prada i'll take it but take that. We love that. Let's take it back to the beginning of your journey with the show. Where were you at in your life when this role <laughs> came along? Uh, no one's asked me that that way. I love that. Um, I was at a really funny point in my life. I was actually like, I feel like so many actors say this, but I was truly on the verge of trying to pivot to something else because I had spent years mm. auditioning and testing and going up for opportunities that would make my dream come true and I was always faced with the pushback that it wasn't time yet that I was pushed to the side as like a comedic relief character I just wasn't being given opportunities and I just felt sort of rejected from that and so at the time it was 2019 I was getting ready to enter my 20s I was assisting on a Madison beer photo shoot (laughs) And I got a call that there was a show that they were developing about a queer makeup artist that was sort of supposed to be a coming of age Devil Wears Prada type show. And that sounded like everything I ever wanted. And I remember I had like a La La Land moment where I was like, Mm. this one will kill me. I cannot do this. Like, if I don't get this one, I was never going to get anything. And um, fortunately, I, I met with Jordan Ardino and Cameron Tarlow, the had executive producers of the show and I realized how much they wanted me to just be myself the only note that I got back after my first meeting was they could tell that I was sanitizing my flamboyant persona because I was nervous Um, and so yeah I did two weeks of casting for that and then at my screen test they told me in the room that I got the part I fell to my knees I cried (gasps) Because for the first time in my life, somebody looked at me and said, yeah, this makes sense. We believe in what you're doing. And so that was a big life-changing moment for me. And then (laughs) the show did not get picked up at its original network. I remember being like, all right, we had our trip to the sun or whatever the phrase is. and." we go again. Yeah, I was like, well, we'll figure out what to do now. Now we know it's time for a pilot, so maybe there will be the next moment where it's time for the show. And then I heard whispers that Netflix was interested, but I never believe anyone, so I was like, sure. I was believe it when I see it. And then at the beginning of 2020, the pandemic happened, and I was like, it's definitely not happening now. And then, you know... <laughs> I just heard little droplets over the course of about a year or two. And then randomly I got a call that Netflix was wanting to put me on a holding deal, which usually means like, oh, here we go. This might happen. 
And then a month later in 2022, 2022, yeah, um, I got the call that the show had been ordered at Netflix. And so at this current stage, as I'm speaking to you, it has been f- over four years since I attached to the show. <laughs> Why? Oh my God. And that being a whole four year period after going through so much rejection, so much soul searching, so much so much almost like questioning whether you could even do this. And then you end up on set opposite the Kim Cattrall. I mean, there's icons and there is icons. What did working with her teach you and what did she teach you? Oh my. Uh, It was such a trippy experience because I had sort of manifested her in that role for the months leading up to the show because I knew they needed to cast somebody for Madeline and they were like we need somebody who's campy but also good at doing the heartfelt moments somebody that's so powerful and iconic in the gay world but also translates to everybody and I was always saying well it's obviously Kim Cattrall like that just has to be the case and I was at the time rewatching all of Sex and the City so I just had her fresh in my mind, but I sort of thought like, there's no way, there's just no way. And then um, the producers, we went to dinner and they told me that she was interested in joining me in the show. And again, cried. It was just like, this is insane. (laughs) This is so much gay momentum, I'm gonna pass out. And then meeting her was insane because, (laughs) you know, you never know if somebody is gonna be when you know them as such a specific character, you just never know what to ex- mm. like, expect them to be in real life. And so I just found myself chasing moments where I could banter with her and chasing moments where I could make her laugh. And anytime I got to do that, I was so proud of myself. Literally, I would like go home kicking my feet, <laughs> being like, oh my God, I just like did like a raunchy joke with Kim Cattrall, that's insane. And she's just perfect for the role. I mean, I think when people watch it, they'll see like, she is equally parts campy, iconic, and powerful. And that's it's really it's really fun to watch. And it helps because my character Marco is supposed to be terrified of her and like admire her. And that's kind of how I felt the whole time. So anytime we had scenes together, it wasn't really hard to get to that place because the whole time I was like, Oh my god, you're a gay icon. <laughs> You're like, can someone just fan me before I go on set? Because I actually can't breathe right now. Mind-blowing. Every time. (gasps) Oh my god, what a moment. Marco is such an incredible character. and He's a young, gender, non-conforming, queer man who is in that office wearing heels, makeup, a crop top, short shorts. Like, out there being themselves. Mm. And doesn't really care what anyone thinks about that. How empowering was it for you to bring Marco to the screen? Oh, it was so empowering to bring Marco to the screen. So validating. Something that's so important to everyone who made the show, our creator, Jordan Ardino, our producers, is that being queer in the show is never something that is seen as a weakness or something to be prejudiced against. Mm. There's never homophobia or transphobia from anyone except for the queer people themselves facing internalized issues. And that was really important to us because Mm -hmm. in my real life, being queer feels like a superpower and my femininity feels like a superpower. Mm. And so to play a character who not only is allowed to be feminine, but is celebrated for it and seen as valuable because of it 
is seen as attractive. The fact that there's multiple love interests for Marco and the issue is not whether or not Marco's deemably attractive or valuable, but it's just that Marco's a traditional 20-something going through a lot of experiences that we all go through. And so it was super empowering to feel like, oh, all of the feminine boys and gender nonconforming people in general can watch a show like this and see like, oh, I'm absolutely allowed to be seen as attractive and seen as successful and seen as valuable in workplaces. And I think that's really important because I even in my real life have watched so many shows and not seen myself in them and thought that I was Mm. secondary when it came to how I navigated not only straight spaces, but queer spaces as well. So I'm really, really excited for people to see the way that we navigate queer issues within the queer community. I think that when you're a feminine person, specifically somebody who's assigned male at birth, when you're feminine in relationships, I feel like you have, it can be hard to Mm. feel sexy and feel equal. And I think what I liked about the show so much is that we see that internal battle that Marco has of, am I allowed to be myself? Mm. Will somebody still love me if I'm myself? And how do I navigate that? So it was super empowering. Marco is very special to me. I mean, this is a slight spoiler alert, but this is something I really want to pick up with you off the back of what you just said about that. But one of the things I really, really loved about the show is it's actually so rare to see on our screens or even within our community, really, like a mask guy who's played by, who is Parker in the show, falling for a feminine, in inverted commas, queer character like Marco. Yeah. Like, because we live in a society in the gay community where it's very sort of like mask for mask. Mm-hmm. And that is on screen, it's inside our community as well. And one of the scenes that really stood out to me was the scene where they first like got together and Parker's like completely naked, muscly, super mask. And then Marco's just knocking him in the hills. And I was like, this is what we need to see. And it wasn't even just a light reference. It was like, they went to town. Like (laughs) how great was that to play out on screen and bring that to the screen for everyone to see? It was amazing. I I didn't realize how much I would enjoy seeing something like that even though it's me I know that's so crazy or weird to say but it was Mm. just really great because (laughs) there were so many parts to the attraction and the love triangle that were so important to me the fact that you have usually when you are a person of color or a queer person you're on the side of things and so to be both of those things and be in the middle Mm. of a love triangle that's very familiar to all of us was super empowering for me to be like oh this is going to make a lot of people feel like, oh, this is this is what I would look like in this scenario. And it was really great for me because mm. Graham, who plays Parker, is just so incredible. And we had such a fun time shooting all of those scenes. And even he was acknowledging that he was so proud to be a part of something like that. And we had so much fun shooting those scenes because of the fact that they weren't afraid of being, you know, traditionally intimate, fun TV to make. And uh, that scene in particular where um, Parker and Marco have their first little kiss moment. We put blood, sweat, and tears into that, and I mean that literally. I was wearing a pair of spiked high heels. There were like spikes on the front. I believe they were Alexander (laughs) McQueen, for anyone who wants to know that. And, you know, Graham is like completely naked in that scene. 
And I am supposed to like spin him around and push him on the couch. It was like very, I imagine when you're in like a Marvel movie doing stunts, this is like what you feel like because there's like so many steps. But I like <laughs> twisted him around at one point and I remember I pushed him down to kiss him. And on one of the takes, I remember I, I went down to kiss him and he was like wincing and like making a weird face. And I was like, I know that, I know that like this is sometimes awkward, but like I thought we were You were like rude. I know. I was like, man, I guess I didn't kill it that time. And then. He said, I think something happened with my foot. And we looked down and there was like a puddle of blood. Um, and he had a puncture <laughs> on, underneath his foot because I had literally stabbed his foot with my high heel. Um, and to this day, I believe he has three little scars in the shape of where my heel was. And so he can never forget me. That's the kind of impact I leave <laughs> with everyone I work with. <laughs> literal scars. <laughs> Anyway, so to answer your question, super empowering to be Marco in a love triangle. <laughs> super empowering. <laughs> I just love that you left your mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Marco always leaves a mark. It's in the name. <laughs> it writes itself. But I mean, the glamorous casting director really does have some great eyes for casting, though. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. I mean, I was like, wow, this is wall-to-wall babes. Oh, I mean, it's so funny. Like, I... I, you have no idea when you go into filming a project how the cast is really going to mesh day to day, how the everything's going to look on screen. I mean, I, I chemistry read with Graham, um, but I didn't chemistry read with anyone else on the show. So going into it, I was like, you know, it's, mm. I know everyone's going to be excited about it. And I hope that it's just a super fun time. And I can report that like this was the most fun I've ever had on any set. I genuinely love every single cast member. We spent every single day in my trailer for lunch just being so loud. And every time that lunch was ending and they needed to bring us back to set or bring us to hair and makeup, they would come to my trailer and just call out whose turn it was to go where because they knew everybody was going to be in my trailer. <laughs> and so it was really fun. I, I really... I don't know how they did it. I don't know if there's a skill to that that is magic. We'll never know. But um, every single person that they cast for the show is just so perfect for their role. And I had so much fun. I mean, it was such a fun time being like a Scooby-Doo mystery gang every single day. It's such a silly show. And I, I think you need silly people for that. And we definitely got that. Oh, my God. You can so tell that on screen. I think it is silly, but it's so important and powerful for many of the reasons why we've already talked about today already but one of the things is is that marco is finding out what it really means to be queer and to be part of the lgbtqi plus community and that journey is so individual for every single person within our community mm-hmm. what has that journey looked like for you to not only discovering your identity but to celebrating your own identity mm. well it's been a long process for me to get to a point of salvation. I, I grew up in a smaller town in Texas that was pretty conservative. And so it took until I got out of Texas when I was 14 to start celebrating myself. And I remember at the mm. time when I was living in Texas and I was really struggling with my identity, my sexuality, I the only thing that I had to turn to for any sort of reference of, am I going to be able to be a happy person if I feel this way? For me, Mm -hmm. that was the internet, that was YouTube, that was any time a queer character was on TV, that was Glee, that was America's Next Top Model sometimes, like whatever I could find that had people that 
looked like me and not just looked like me, but were happy and were like me was super important mm. because I felt like at the time the amount of queer representation was so limited that a lot of the times the representation I saw was devastating or heartbreaking or tragic. And mm. a lot of queer actors, we talk about the idea of typically you get to see representation of the beginning of your queer life and the very end of your queer life. And so a lot mm. of the times they're very heavy. It's coming out. It's it's the pushback. It's the prejudice. It's the devastation. And so for me, finding the internet and finding YouTubers and just people online who are talking about the fact that they were happy and they were living normal lives, just happened to be queer, was game changing for me. And so that's why even Glamorous is such an important show to me because it Marco's already established queer at this point. There's no, uh, you know, mm. we've seen so many amazing shows and movies about sort of the upbringing as a queer person and the trials and tribulations of coming out for the first time. But I think what's important with this show is that you get to see somebody who is just living their slice of life at the time and figuring out, all right, now that I know that I'm gay and now that I know that everybody's fine with that and I can move on, what do I actually do with my life? What do I do with yeah. my career? What do I do with my family? What do I do with my relationships? That's something that there's not as much of a guide for. And I know for me in my you know uh, formative queer years, I stumbled a lot because I had no clue what I was doing. I still don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so... Yeah, my, I, it took me a lot longer than I think it could have. It could have been a much uh, smoother process for me had I maybe had even more representation and references for what queer adulthood could look like. And I feel like there's a really big wave of that mm. right now, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. Mm. I think it's so important. And I think for anyone inside our community or even outside of our community, like discovering your identity and coming to terms with yourself and working out what you like, what you don't like, is a very universal experience. And in some ways, we're all coming out in some way. We're kind of coming out every day <laughs> in so many ways. And for you now sitting here today, how would you define or look at your identity? Hmm. I don't know. I. It's hard to define because that require. I mean, I feel like that requires me to sort of assess maybe how I'm perceived a little more, but... I will say that I feel every year of my life that has gone by, I've felt more secure in who I am and mm. what it means to be me. <laughs> and I think mm. had I been asked that question when I was at the beginning of my self-acceptance journey, I probably would have said some form of like, oh, I'm... I'm fierce, I'm loud, I'm vibrant, I'm this, I'm I'm so bold. And nowadays I feel like I just feel adjusted. I feel I feel like the way that I imagine my siblings feel or any of my friends feel, I just happen to also mm. be a specific type of person feeling those things. And I think that that's something that a lot of queer people sort of battle with when you've been othered so much in your identity it's really hard mm. to not see yourself as like well if I'm gonna be othered I might as well 
feel othered and identify as othered and treat myself that way. But I'm truly just trying to accept myself and live a comfortable life that happens to be very colorful. (laughs) And doing it for you and not doing it for anyone else or to go into side of box to make people feel happy or content. Like it's, I think that's what's so special about what you stand for and what this show stands for. It's about living unapologetically as yourself. Mm. Doesn't matter what you can say, whatever you like, you can throw prejudice at me, but I'm still going to stay strong in myself and my sense of self. Yeah. I think also the, the fact that the show took four years to make ultimately benefited us because when I was 19 and I auditioned for the show, I sort of still had that level of, uh, I don't know, just, I was so trying. I was trying so hard. I wanted to make it, I wanted to prove to everybody that I knew what was going on and I, I, I was adjusted and I could handle it. And I don't think I really could at that time. I feel like I was a lot more in the mm. throes of it than I am now. And so I feel so much more equipped to sort of take on any sort of position or responsibility that being on a show like this might throw my way. And we're also just able to expand the range of what we talk about in the show. And I think that time element really was helpful because it allowed me as a person to evolve a little bit more and to pull some more experiences. And so many of my personal life experiences are in this show. I'm very, very close with the writer of the show, Jordan Ardino, and so, we had millions of conversations about how to make sure Marco's experience was authentic and felt grounded and important and felt like something that somebody could watch and have a light bulb moment of like, that's what I've been saying all this time. That's exactly what I'm feeling right now. Mm. And, uh, something that's also really helpful about the show that I'm, I gush about all the time because I'm so impressed by how the creative team pulled this off. But there's so many queer characters in the show. We truly are a show where being straight is the minority. <laughs> and so the great thing about that is that usually when you're a queer character in a show, you're sort of carrying the weight of every single storyline they want to put and they want to tell. Mm. And so you don't really get air to expand upon ideas because you're just trying to sell the idea and you're just trying to get the punchline and give the sound bite. And that's fabulous when I've done it and when other people have done it. It's a very, it's fun to do. But I think with a show like this, because there's so many queer characters and so many different queer storylines, none of us had to sort of carry that responsibility on our own. And so I'm really proud mm. of that because I get to be a little more self serving to what I would want to see. And my co-stars get to do the same for their individual storylines. And so everybody gets to sort of protect the range of what's unique to them. And then the outcome is this really beautiful, diverse display of queer people. And I love it. I think that's more reflective of real life because I <laughs> I don't think I've ever had more than, like I could count my straight friends on one hand throughout probably my whole life. <laughs> so like... 
Anytime I see TV shows where there's a gay character who's like has no other gay friends, I'm like, I, that does not resonate with me. Maybe somebody, not me. <laughs> so I'm at least happy that people like me will have our show. Definitely not me either. Right? I remember like having this conversation <laughs> with my friend the other day, be like, because I've got so many girlfriends in my life as well, mm. where I'm like, they were like, you need to try and set me up with a guy. And I was like, babe, you are coming to the wrong person. I don't know a single straight man yeah. apart from my dad and my brother. And I ain't going to set you up with them. Like, and I was no. just like, how would I even <laughs> come into contact with a straight man? Like, literally, I was like, yeah. where are they? Yeah, it's where, not that I, like, what would I talk to them yeah, about? Yeah, I'm not in opposition of straight men. Like, I think straight men are great. I know any straight men I have known has been pretty great. It's just that... There are very rare circumstances yeah, which put a, which would put us in the same room, and if it does, it's usually like a straight man dating the girl that I'm friends with, and then usually it's like that weird sort of yeah. like we're besties, but that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> that's like totally the vibe of the show, and I will cut you if you cross her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am so excited to be celebrating Pride Month with the gel bottle because just like rain, they're all about inclusivity and individuality, helping people express themselves to be whoever they are, right down to their nail colors. The gel bottle have not only created over 500 colors, but are famous for their game-changing Biab technology, which leaves your nails looking stunning whilst increasing your nail growth. Their at-home formula for Sister Brand Peachy also gives your nails that salon quality feel, and they are industry leaders in nail tech training through their successful TGB Academy, which has turned many members of the LGBTQIA community into nail professionals, thanks to the training from the Jabble. Don't forget, you can shop my rainbow edit right now with 25% of sales going to the LGBTQIA plus charity switchboard. Just head to thejowbottle.com for pros or for at-home artists, visit peachy.com. That's P-E-A-C-C-I dot com. I love what you said earlier, actually, about the fact that these characters only kind of face internal prejudice and not prejudice in the outside community because that is an experience which I think is so rare because I mean I come into contact with everyday prejudice every single day like post a video you'll see homophobic comments on it and it sometimes really gets me really affects me starts making me question myself and then I'm like no I know who I am like this person doesn't know me from anyone else this is just an anomalous person I'm going to brush it off. But sometimes it's very hard to do that. Mm. What kind of prejudice have you faced or you've had to come up against and how have you learned how to deal with it? Oh my gosh. Um, Well, you know, when you're growing up queer in an environment that is not conditioned to accept that, it gets, oh my God, my dog is running to me Mm. right now. I think she heard me say something heavy. This is my dog, Petite. (laughs) She was like, I'm coming. She just like <laughs> ran over the second I mentioned any sort of childhood trauma. That was oh my incredible. God, she's so cute. I don't have her trained to do that, but I do respect that she knows when I need her. Um, <laughs> no, so I think growing up in any environment like that, I mean, the opposition, you could, you could just list them all day. The way that you're treated is so different. The way that you're mm. taught to be is so different. And you also are sometimes restricted from any sort of uplifting positive influence and so that was always really challenging and then as an adult um i 
find that navigating my position as a feminine queer person, somebody assigned male at birth especially, was very sticky, long process for me because when I started dating, I remember there were boys that I dated who saw me as someone in makeup as someone different from me. And so their attraction when I was mm. in makeup would fade. And I remember being told in one of my first relationships this idea of, I like that you wear makeup. I'm just not attracted to it. And I remember thinking at the time that that was really, that was okay. That was going to be fine for me. And what I later now know is, oh, that was somebody who was uncomfortable with my femininity at all. And any time that I expressed it, they were not comfortable with it. And that followed into multiple relationships that I went into where from that point on, I then started to question in every relationship how much of that I was allowed to express or show. Mm. And when you're trying to accept yourself while also navigating how other people are going to accept you, it's it's really weird. <laughs> and so that process for me in overcoming it was just a matter of at the end of every single one of those instances, I was left with one person and that was myself. And anyone in my mm. life who's been around me when I'm at home or when I'm in full makeup and out and about will tell you that when I put on things that I love and when I dress like myself and when I present as myself, I feel different. I feel like myself. I feel vibrant. I feel just like everything clicks. And so finding that for me was just a matter of slowly pulling together pieces of, I know that I like this and I know that I don't like this and I know that I'm valuable without this and I know that I'm valuable with this. And it's just a time thing for me. And I think have if I had a chance to see more of it, it would have been really impactful for me. I think about, and this is my soapbox moment a little bit, but I remember when I would watch queer TV all the time or any TV that had queer people in it. Specifically, I'll use Glee as a reference. And I remember the way that people talked about Chris Colfer in that show was so crazy because I identified with him because he was feminine. He sounded feminine. Mm. He, he was not passably straight in any way. Same. Yeah, and I I never passed as straight. I, I, that was never going to be a, the reality for me. And oh, so I babes, remember, that was never an option for me either. <laughs> I'm amazed by gays who are like, had really hard times with that transition in their life because I'm like the way that I I coming out was not an option for me. It was my closet door was bees, no, beautiful. It was thrust upon rubies. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so when I was younger and I would watch stuff like that, I remember the comments about it and the way that people talked about it was they weren't only homophobic, but they were also calling out that it was stereotypical. So even the queer people were saying like, "Well, that's a stereotype. I don't mm. like that." I don't like that I'm being represented as only a stereotype. And that is something that I find to be a very clear case of internalized homophobia and broader, we could say misogyny because it's attacking femininity. But I I remember when I was seeing that, I would feel like, okay, my own community is verbally expressing that they are ashamed of mm. people like this. They are ashamed of being associated with people like this. And I'm like that. So I was frustrated when I was coming to terms with myself because I was like, I don't feel like I'm a stereotype. I feel like sometimes stereotypes include things that I do, 
but I am a feminine person and mm. I am a feminine queer person. And these are things that I do. And I think I deserve to be on TV seeing myself as much as any other queer person. And so with our show, even, I mean, sometimes I see comments about people already saying that they're angry about the idea that Marco is just like a gay stereotype. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of people like Marco and there's a lot of people like me. And I think that to be ashamed of being a part of that in some way or associated with that is just such a clear sign of internalized homophobia. And that's sort of what we address in the show with so many of the queer men in the show who are not feminine. That's an mm. ongoing conversation that we have where there's a negotiation of femininity amongst gay men of like, how much are we allowed to express? How much are we allowed to be attracted to and still feel good about ourselves and so yeah i i feel a sense of pride about the fact that the show gets to talk about that because for me i watched so many amazing moments of representation be completely criticized by straight people and queer people mm. and so i'm forgetting your question but i got very passionate about what i said and i hope that that translated <laughs> <laughs> i mean that answered it like 10 out of 10. I'm going to get that 11 out of 10. That was such oh, yeah. a stunning answer. I was literally feeling like that scene in 30 Rock where I think it's Queen Latifah in the scene where she's like, <laughs> and I may have forgotten my point, but I know that if I raise my voice and finish with this energy that you will applaud me and everyone applauds. That's how I just felt right now. <laughs> well, I was literally about to applaud at the end of it. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. Because I've so struggled with that. Like, being a feminine gay man, like you are told or taught by our society that you will not be desirable. So when I first went out dating, I mean, you know, you go on the apps and they're literally like, I mask. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, and then you would try and fake it. They'll be like, send me a voice message. And you try to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> My deep voice is just literally like, all right. <laughs> All right, mate. And I it think sounds that like we're yawning. Away the fact I don't think I don't it, think deep voices are made for us. <laughs> we're sleepy. <laughs> we, we are not made for deep voices. <laughs> but that is what's so special because seeing that, I was like, wow. If I saw this earlier on in my queer journey, this show and the relationships that Marco gets into, I probably would have accepted that femininity mm. in me a little bit more and just been like, do you know what? Being a feminine gay is desirable. Yeah. Being camp is literally to circle back to what you said at the beginning a superpower honey yeah and i think there's so many great versions of that out right now and so for people who are particularly masculine and comfortable in that there's amazing representation for you and for people who are feminine and flamboyant like us there's <laughs> representation for you too so i think those things can coexist i don't think everybody needs to be you know but i think there needs to be space for that because there is a lot of that I identify mm. with that. And so that means a lot. Thank you for saying that. I'm, I'm really hopeful that people will. I think that my dream is that queer people will watch it and feel validated and feel safe. And that straight people watch it and just have a good time. It's yeah. so silly. This have a kiki. So Lock so the much, doors. Yeah, there's so much heart to it, but it's such a goofy, goofy show. And. I think right now, more than we thought when we filmed it a year ago, that's just like a really great escapist thing we all need right now. And so 
I'm hoping that mm-hmm. everyone will be able to have fun with it. I hope that mask gays love it. I hope that femme gays love it. I hope everyone <laughs> loves it. <laughs> I hope the straights love it. Well, what they're going to love is the one-liners because the one-liners in this show are next level iconic. I mean, when you walked into the office and you said, I'm a twink on prep, I can do anything. I was like, yes! Like, literally. Yes. It's like, oh my god! What yeah. was your favorite one-liner in *Glamorous* to live? Oh god, uh, so many. I mean, that's so many compliments to Jordan Ardito, our writer. He is a reference king. He knows every gay reference and knows how to make a great one-liner. Um, yeah, I love that I'm a twink on prep. I can do anything. Um, I say something right after that, which I wish that was so funny because. Marco says, uh, the oldest movie I've seen is Titanic, uh, and I don't know who Cher is, which is so funny when you, like, watch the rest of the show, and Marco's making, like, really deep-cut niche references. Like, Marco makes a Gone with the Wind reference at one point that even I didn't know when when we shot it, I had to ask for clarification. And I was like, so you're telling me that Marco doesn't know Cher, (laughs) but Marco knows a deep, uh, not even one of the popular lines from Gone with the Wind. That is so funny. Um... And then a lot of my favorite one-liners come from uh, Zane Phillips' character, Chad. Uh, Particularly, (laughs) there's two lines that he said. One is in the trailer. He says, uh, he's going to yas queen our company into bankruptcy, which I always thought was so funny. (laughs) Um, And then, which is like such an amazing thing for the show. And then there's a moment where, I'm not even in the scene, but I cackled every time I saw it, where... um, Chad, played by Zane, uh, it's like, let's ruin that twink. And I'm like, that is such an amazing <laughs> soundbite that like just so happens to end with the word twink. Like it would make sense in any television show. It just so happens that it ends with twink. So it's perfect for ours. Um, but there's a lot. I mean, I can't wait for it. It has a lot of meanings, that statement. <laughs> it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, you know, <laughs> I like to think that with every one-liner, it's up to interpretation. And so if you hear Zane Phillips say, let's ruin that twink, and it rings true for you in many different ways, it's great. Good for you. That's what the show is for. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to have to fan myself for a second. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. On that moment. I mean, I mean, Sorry. I mean. Oh my god, you're really tickled by this. That is so amazing. I'm really tickled. I'm, I'm like, actually, like, I've got a little fan here. I, I just need to, Sorry, like... Sorry, I'll warn you next time I bring up Zane. I know I know it's overwhelming for people. <laughs> Beyond overwhelming. Well, now I need to go take a cold shower. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because it's a heat wave here, but off the back of that line, but... It's good for your nervous system, too. Yeah, great. <laughs> Babe, it's been an education. Mm-hmm. Straight Boys taught us one thing and it said ice plunges are actually really helpful. It's honestly been the biggest joy to see you on my screen in Glamorous. And everyone's going to embrace you, love you, love you for what you are bringing to the screen. And it's been so great talking to you about it today. Thank you. And we always end on one question. And the last question always is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you'll always live by? The one rule I'll always live by. Um, there's always time for a new eyebrow shape. <laughs> In my life, that has always run true. <laughs> and that's what I'll leave you with. 
And if there's one impact that I want glamorous to actually have on anyone is there's always time for a new eyebrow shape. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for joining me. It's just been the best. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Host. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.